It's the Emeritus with Kim Monson. Now, while this is all going on, I went through President Trump's speech and uh, Chuck and Nancy's rebuttal. The most important story. The American people finally said enough, and that is why they elected Donald Trump. The latest in politics and world affairs. Britain's version of Medicare for All is struggling with long waits for care. And opinions and ideas that prepare you to tackle the day ahead. Because ideas matter. It's the Americhicks, dissecting issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree, let's have a conversation. Indeed. Let's have a conversation. This is Kim Munson with the AmeriChicks, and uh, we have a big show planned for you today. <clears throat> We're going to be talking with Dwight Eckert. He is the Colorado director of the National EMP Task Force. That's the electro- uh, Electromagnetic Pulse Task Force. And with this push that's pushing us to more and more electricity, using that in our lives for our cars, our transportation, our energy, we need to make sure that we understand that there are some risks with our electro uh, electric grid. And uh, so we'll talk with Dwight Eckert in the third and fourth segment. Uh, we'll be talking with um, uh, the team here about the headlines. But first of all, we need to continue to remember, as we are talking with our friends, our family, the kids are home from college, about socialism. Because it seems to be something kind of she-she with a lot of these young people. And socialism, ultimately, even after you get past all the flowery language, socialism is force. And so the real battle today in all of these different issues that we're looking at can be drilled down to freedom versus force or force versus freedom. And it's never compassionate to take others' rights, property, or freedom via force, whether with a weapon, with taxation, or policy. And a frequent guest, Dr. Stephen Kessler, millennial, PhD, he says we ask three questions of the socialist slash liberal. Do you have any skin in the game? Are we bringing people up or are we yanking them down? You felt good, but did you do good? And then what you see is under kind of that auspice of those those questions that uh, politicians and bureaucrats that want to take control of, of key things in our lives like transportation, education, energy, housing, water. They, they do that within the, um, you felt good, but did you do good? And so we'll be talking about the oil and gas industry and some of the headlines as we get to that. But um, first of all, I want to say thank you to the team. Thank you to producer Steve, Zach, Patty, and Keith for your good support, your good work. And thank you to you listeners out there. Each of you is very valued and treasured. So, Producer Steve, uh, welcome. How are you doing this morning? I am here, and uh, I think I'm in better shape than yesterday. Okay, that's good. Uh, Let's jump in, though, to a little inspiration. Thomas Edison, he said, If we did all the things we are capable of, we would literally astound ourselves. Again, if we did all the things we are capable of, we would literally astound ourselves, and that's Thomas Edison. There's more truth so, in that than I can shake a stick at. You know what? I know it. And, uh, you know, he was a, a great inventor and, uh, you know, um, so involved in electricity. And, uh, you know, I think that, you know, sometimes just turning off the TV, turning off the phones, reading a book, going out, trying to better yourself, we would literally astound ourselves if we were more careful on how we spent our time. You're not going to get so, any arguments here. I 
I amaze myself at the way I can wait the ways I can waste time and basically have a, <laughs> an entire day slip away. Yeah, and I think uh, there was a quote we used recently. Now I can't remember who it was, but we have like eighty six thousand four hundred seconds every day, and we decide how we're going to spend those. So with that, today's funnies. Are you ready for these, Steve? <laughs> I got three of them for you. Funny is the operative word here, so go ahead. Oh, oh, thanks a lot. So what is a light bulb's favorite kind of news? Current events. <laughs> okay, strike one. How many, how many state of California regulations do you need to change a light bulb? One. Let's see, there's three. One requires you to change your light bulb. One warns you it causes cancer, and the last bans disposal of your light bulb. And number three, my favorite. When is the only time a man thinks about a candlelight dinner? When the power goes off. Bada boo. Is the drummer is the drummer gone, or is he just didn't like the joke? Oh no, he was there. I'm sorry, you you didn't hear him, but he was there, and actually he's grinning <laughs> ear to ear. <laughs> okay, hey, let's jump into some headlines. This is so interesting. You know, there's been this push uh, regarding oil and gas to push it down to control at the local level. And I feel that that's really been a strategy because while we were sleeping and while we've been out there uh, working hard, taking care of our families, there have been these groups that have been organized to really take over local government. And one of them is called Emerge. And it is a group that a number of our state legislators, and it's a women's group. They, it's uh, women getting into local and state government. And it turns out that most of these women are really far left. Some of them are bordering on communist. And we saw a couple of them were elected to the Denver City Council this last election. Uh, we've seen them elected across the board within the metro area. And uh, I think it was a group that came out of... I want to say Hillary Clinton, but anyway, it is, it's a boot camp, uh, and they have uh, groups clear uh, across the country. And so you are seeing they have been very, very successful. And so it's almost, Steve, I, I, when I was on city council, I kind of felt something going, going on. I go up to the conferences, the big Colorado Municipal League conference, and I could just feel this real move to the left and you even see people that have an R behind their name but you see their policies are moving to the left and you hear them talk about the words of community versus the individual and uh, so anyway you then you also see this this movement here in Colorado to possibly you know push uh, control of oil and gas down to the local level well it's a great strategy because if they can't get something done and well in, in a diabolical way. If you can't get something done at the state level, then you just look over here to the local level and you try to get it done. But interesting, we have two different stories where there has been a pushback. And this is from the Sentinel in Colorado. Uh, it says, the deep impact, Aurora lawmakers okay packed for more, for more than 300 oil and gas wells. It says, the first oil and gas operator agreement since passage of the state legislation shifting regulation to local governments was approved late last Monday night, raising questions about what Aurora's future in oil and gas development will look like. Aurora city lawmakers gave the agreement with ConocoPhillips the green light, but not before three hours of public comment, most of which was in support of the agreement and heated debate among the council members. The council voted 6-4 to allow ConocoPhillips to operate 45 well sites 
possibly up to more than 300 wells in Aurora. Adams County and Broomfield, which operates on a similar agreement system like Aurora now has in place, have both enacted moratoriums on oil and gas development. They pointed to concerns about the major change uh, Senate Bill 181 presented to the process as a reason why. But many Aurora lawmakers say they believe the operator agreements are stronger than the state law because they have been made specific to each project. So over in Aurora, they're using local government as well. I think this this makes it difficult, though, for oil and gas development in Colorado because you need something more consistent throughout the whole state for these oil and gas companies to continue investment into uh, Colorado. But secondly, Well County, which is one of the uh, largest oil and gas development counties in the state, says the Well Commissioners took a step toward designating Weld a local control county for oil and gas. So Monday morning, and this is from the Greeley Tribune, Monday morning in a room of about 150 people, the Board of Weld County Commissioners unanimously approved the first reading of a resolution which will officially bring oil and gas regulation under the county's control. So the big picture, Weld County Commissioners were quick to react to the passage of Senate Bill uh, 19181 this year. A bill proponents say was designed to allow state officials to focus more on health and safety while also giving local governments more power in deciding where drilling takes place. Since the bill gives local governments more control over where oil and gas drilling can take place among other provisions. So, Steve, a couple of things that I think are so important here is that uh, both of these uh, entities, Well County and Aurora, have down-to-made decisions regarding oil and gas development in their particular local jurisdictions. And uh, when this Senate Bill 181 was passed, they were, I think the proponents of that didn't really think that there would be this kind of pushback. And Barbara Kirkmeyer, Well County Commissioner, was our speaker at the Stanford, Colorado rally regarding 181. And she she seemed to be like, um, oh, uh, uh, like a a, a a a mother bear regarding oil and gas development in their their county because she realizes how important it is to their economy, how important it is to their tax base, which helps provide roads and schools and you know things that we we feel are are very valuable for our communities, and uh, so I think that this is really an interesting move with both Aurora and Weld Weld County on this. Um, Another thing that I wanted to mention, this is from the Craig Daily Press, and CSU researchers, it says, could advocate for Cole's future in Moffat County. And as many of you may know, that there's been agreements uh, to, to uh, ramp up the closure, to, to make it happen quicker, that initially anticipated of our coal-fired plants, particularly up in the Craig area. And that has been, uh, you know, that particular plant up there has been, uh, so important for the local economy. It provides good jobs. It's clean coal. And the thing for all the rest of us is it makes sure that we have abundant and affordable and reliable energy. Wind and solar is not reliable. And this push in Colorado to get us to 100% renewables is not realistic. And we will ultimately have to have some kind of reliable power to make sure that uh, the renewables can work because the wind doesn't uh, always blow and the sun does not always shine. But what is so interesting to me is that plan is 
uh, for the 100% renewables that we would buy it from other states. Now, I don't know about you, but it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that it's not a good strategy to close uh, uh, these coal-fired plants right here in Colorado that provide good jobs and, and help people and give us everyday people this reliable energy that we need. And then to go out and buy it from somebody else, it's going to ramp the price up. And at the same time, they're trying to push us onto electric vehicles. And that's why when we talk to Dwight Eckert in segments uh, three and four, it's going to be so important to talk about this because they're pushing us onto something to use more, more of something which will ramp up the demand. And then through rules and regulations, they're closing other options, which is going to increase the price. And so that's going to take money out of people's pockets. So, Steve, I'm going to want to get your thoughts on that. We're going to go to break. Before we do that, though, the Rockies took a, one game from the Cubs last night. Game two of their series is tonight. The Padres come to town on Thursday. The NBA Finals, don't know if you saw that game, but that was amazing. Game five of the series goes to the Golden State with a 106-105 win over the Toronto Raptors. Uh, game six is Thursday evening. And in the Stanley Cup race between St. Louis and Boston, it is tied at three games each. Game seven for the whole bag of marbles is tomorrow night. at uh, Or is tomorrow night. And the great place to watch all these games is Hooters Restaurants. Hooters is the place to be this summer. And they have this great beach-worthy seafood items like amazing fish tacos, delicious snow crab legs, and mouth-watering buffalo shrimp. Hooters has plenty of ice-cold beer options to help you cool down this summer. So be sure to dine in, take out, or um, watch the game right there at Hooters Restaurants. For more information, visit HootersColorado.com. That's HootersColorado.com. We're going to go to break. When we come back, Steve, I'd like to hear your thoughts regarding the uh, electricity and closing down those um, those coal-fired plants up near Craig. We'll and be right back. You shall hear them. So, yes, we will be right back. <laughs> All AmeriChick sponsors are an exclusive partnership with the AmeriChicks and are not affiliated or in partnership with KLZ or Crawford Broadcasting. If you would like to support the work of the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson and grow your business, contact Kim at AmeriChicks.com. That's AmeriChicks.com. Social media is important to the AmeriChicks since it's an avenue we can utilize to hear from and speak to all of our friends. For those of you who enjoy listening to the show, we'd love to hear what's on your radar. Follow us and talk to us at AmeriChicks Twitter and Facebook pages. Also, if you're a business owner who could benefit from some extra foot traffic from like-minded friends, consider advertising on the AmeriChicks radio show. Contact us at AmeriChicks.com or email Kim at AmeriChicks.com. Don't miss Vino and Veritas, Wine and Truth, a study of the Federalist Papers. Join Kim Munson with the AmeriChicks at Water's Edge Winery in Centennial or Colorado Cork and Keg in Castle Rock. And now introducing Vino and Veritas in Fort Collins. Kim Munson with the AmeriChicks would like to thank qualified listeners, veterans listening to veterans. Brought to you by Dan Brooke and Cheryl Tootin in Centennial. In Castle Rock, Kim would like to thank Colorado Custom Services, promotional products, embroidery, engraving, and more. And sponsoring the new Fort Collins Vino and Veritas, Kim Munson looks forward to celebrating U.S. Constitution Week in Grand Lake. Don't miss Vino and Veritas, a fascinating exploration of the Federalist Papers. Sign up today at AmeriChicks.com. (laughs) 
Hey, welcome back to the Ameritix with Kim Munson, where we dissect issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left, agree or disagree. Let's have a conversation. And uh, before we jump into here, I want to hear Steve's opinion about this whole thing um, uh, on elect- electric vehicles and, and closing down uh, the coal fire plants up near Craig. But uh, be sure and check out coloradansvote.org. That is the place that you can get the information regarding signing the national popular vote. That is to get that on the ballot in 2020. And they have to have over 125,000 signatures. And that is by the end of July. I think that they're doing really well with that. But, you know, we, we think, oh, what can I do? Well, this is something that is really important because the national popular vote, uh, and we, we uh, had talked about that with Rob Nadelson, is there's basically, it's third world countries that have the national popular vote. They are no bastions of freedom. And so we have this movement here in America. It seems like they're wanting to move us to a third world country. We have all these third world country people wanting to get into America because of, you know, many times the American dream. But yet, on the other hand, we're trying to import those policies. And so uh, the National Popular Vote Compact was passed by this state legislature that, in essence, is would give our vote, our Colorado vote, and our voice to... Uh, the large popula- population centers like Los Angeles, which they have typhus, uh, typhus outbreak on the streets. San Francisco, which they have human defecation on the streets. Chicago, which has a huge murder rate. And New York, which because of uh, immigrants coming in there, has a measles outbreak. So you're telling me that we want to give our vote and our voice to those population centers? I don't think so. So uh, all of you, go to coloradansvote.org and find out where you could go and sign to get this question on the ballot. And then we've got a lot of work to do to ex- explain to people the brilliance of the Electoral College and why the uh, founders put that in place so that we were sure that the minority had a voice. Okay, Steve, I just had to get that out. I feel a lot better now. So what do you think? What do you think about Hickenlooper was out there you know, on the campaign trail for his presidential um, bid, saying that, uh, first of all, he had mentioned at last week that uh, that socialism wasn't necessarily good. But you take a look at the policies that he enacted here in Colorado, and they moved us to politicians and bureaucrats controlling these key things like transportation and energy and housing. And when that happens, the supply goes down and the price goes up. So now here he's out here yesterday. Uh, there was a headline that Patty put together. He's touting this big government programs for rural Colorado. But yet under his administration, they are working to close down those coal-fired plants up near Craig. Well, that's rural Colorado, and that's been so good for that community. And then the other component of it is is moving us towards, quote-unquote, 100% renewables here in Colorado. But then we would have to buy reliable energy from other states. Okay, what do you think, Steve? All right. Uh, Laura Carno would probably agree with this because she's such an expert on <laughs> the efficiencies of government. <clears throat> and that's air quotes. <laughs> government, one of its major drawbacks is that it wants to be seen as doing something. But the something that they're doing anymore these days is rarely good for the big picture. And, you know, whether well, for the everyday individual. Right. 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 And, and when we talk about uh, shuttering coal plants, we're not we're not 
you know, we're, we're doing just that. We're, we're trying to be seen as doing something that's good because, hey, we need to get away from fossil fuels and blah, blah, blah. But I think all we're really doing is trying to garner votes. We're not talking about the impact to the grid. And, you know, the grid is, is incredibly important, and we'll be talking about it later, you know, with, uh, with Dwight. And you, you can't just shutter a coal plant. I mean, you, it has to be continued to be running and on, you know, on standby on the grid. Because if something happens out there, like you said, the days that the wind doesn't blow or the sun doesn't shine, you're calling on that plant to maybe can keep contributing power to the grid. You, you cannot totally just shut it down. It has to be sitting there in standby mode. So, again, let, let's talk about all the facts here, all the details, and not just be made, trying to make brownie points and gather votes to the people who are so caught up in, in climate change, which I think is, that's all Hick and Looper was really doing. Well, and let's go to this last, uh, let's see, i got to find it here, this one. that um, This is from AmericanGreatness.com. It says it's the climate case of the century. And I remember when uh, this uh, second case was brought forth. But 12 years ago, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled in Massachusetts versus the EPA that greenhouse gases are air pollutants covered by the Clean Air Act. The decision, in effect, gave the uh, Environmental Protection Agency massive additional regulatory authority. Okay, right there. You know, we have been moving away from representative government over to administrative government. And you get over here to the regulators, and they are nameless, faceless bureaucrats that continue to use rules and regulations that that ultimately, I think, hurt the opportunity of individuals. Now, Steve, I think you and I are in agreement. We are to be good stewards of our earth. That's for sure. But that doesn't mean that, that, that we also need to make sure that that we are good stewards of the human race, that we are doing things to, you know, to empower them to thrive and prosper. And it seems to me like a lot of these people that want to shut down fossil fuels, want to shut down reliable and affordable energy, have a deep disdain for for other humans. So, so, so this next thing, though, is the, the next case. This year, another landmark climate case appears headed for the high court. It's Juliana versus the United States. And this time, the stakes are even higher. The Ninth U.S. Circuit Court, you know how, how that one is, on appeals on Tuesday, we'll hear arguments in Portland from both sides. The hearing was preceded by a wave of well-funded protests across the United States in support of the plaintiffs, who are a group of 21 children and teenagers who were recruited in 2015 from places around the country deemed particularly vulnerable to climate change. It says, while I, environmental lawsuits have been around for 50 years, Climate rights and climate liability lawsuits blaze new legal territory. A 60 Minutes uh, uh, program in March explained a favorable story where the young plaintiffs alleged that the U.S. government's use of fossil fuels is causing climate change, endangering their future, and violating their constitutional rights to life, liberty, and uh, property. It is astounding to me the way the, the, the new left is able to use the words that we value of life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness 
and then they're able to wrap this up in a diabolically brilliant way to then go to the courts to try to basically you know move us back to becoming third world countries uh, because if we don't have fossil fuels you can take a look at the maps fossil fuels the place where you have fossil fuels there is less hunger people are doing well and it's beyond belief that these people want to push us back to becoming a third world country and they're going to try to do that with the courts Steve I know that maybe you have a quick thought and then we're going to go to Jason McBride here shortly well the quick thought is just simply this too many of these stories uh, in, in the press in the media that are out there are not you know they they key in on certain buzzwords and stuff and they don't tell the full story and that's why I, I got so excited last week about the story about Glenwood Springs contracting with a firm in Nebraska that all their power was going to be that the the city uses is going to be wind generated but with no real detail about well how does that power get to Glenwood Springs well it's the grid and what happens on those days where it's not so windy in Nebraska well what does Glenwood Springs do do they turn out the lights no they don't where does the well, power to, come from and to that point that goes to Stephen Kessler's third point or middle point you felt good but did you do good so Glenwood Springs City Council, they can, you know, tout out there, we feel good about this, but did they do good? No. It's going to jack up the prices and their reliability on their energy may go down. And so uh, I just love those three three rules that uh, Steve Kessler gave us. So, But uh, Jason McBride, um, what is on your mind this morning? I'm sorry, Jason's not here yet. Jason's not here yet? Okay, I thought he was. Okay. Well, I want to hear what he has to say about this all as well, because once again, you you see these politicians, bureaucrats, they stand up and they say, you know, all these different programs that they, they feel good talking about it. They talk about community. That was one of the things, Steve, when I was on city council, that I saw all these politicians and bureaucrats on both sides of the aisle talk about community where I, my understanding was that government was basically supposed to stay out of the way and put in policies that empowered everyday individuals to go out and make their own community instead of government becoming the big community. And that's one of the things that I was always, uh, always very concerned about. Well, knowing where you were participating in terms of the uh, governmental process, I, I dare not name that city, but... Uh, <laughs> I, I watch them daily, and I've been watching them ever since, you know, before they were a city, and they can get into some, some very strange things that it seem to be for appearances only. Right, and, and, and interestingly enough, though, it co- uh, it certainly costs people money, and it costs them their opportunity, and um, so local government, that is really something that's important, and I would encourage people to continue to get your brains around these important issues. That's why we do what we do. And, you know, every morning is, and you may not agree, you disagree, you know, that's okay. But we need to have conversations. But you can bear in mind that always here with the Americhicks with Kim Munson, that we are working to strive for truth. And um, and the other thing that I really do appreciate is if I'm, if I miss, um, misspeak on something, people reach out and they say, you know, I don't think that was quite right. Or you're definitely, your word of the, the use of that word wasn't quite, quite correct. And so I greatly, greatly appreciate that. And uh, so we're going to go to break here in just a moment. We'll be talking with uh, Dwight Eckert, uh, and he is the Colorado Director of the National EMP Task Force. That's the uh, Electromagnetic Pulse Task Force. And it's so important that we know what is happening with our grid. So we're going to go to break. We'll be right back. 
You want to succeed, so you need to dress for the job, event, or relationship that you seek. For over 30 years, entrepreneur, stylist, and Americhick Kim Munson has been helping women look their very best. And guys, Kim can help you with made-to-measure shirts that fit great and you'll love to wear. Guys and gals, if you want to up your game and freshen your look, email Kim at Americhicks.com for your initial style consult. Kim at Americhicks.com. Come join the ADA Drive-In for all your favorite blockbuster movies. We're open seven days a week. Admission is only $9 per person and children under 12 are free. Friday, June 7th through Thursday, June 13th, features will include Aladdin, Dark Phoenix, and John Wick, Chapter 3, Parabellum. And remember our popular Monday through Thursday pizza special. Get one 12-inch pizza served fresh and hot from our oven and two tall, cool 16-ounce sodas, all for only 12 bucks. Plus, now you can top it all off with our new sweet, crunchy churros and a steaming cup of hot chocolate. For more information, go to our Facebook page or visit our website at 88drivein.net. You get more out of life when you go out to a movie. You'd like to get in touch with one of Kim Munson's sponsors, but you can't recall their phone number. Find a full list of advertising partners on Americhicks.com. Welcome back to the Americhicks with Kim Munson, where we dissect issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree, let's have a conversation I'm thrilled to have in studio with me today Dwight Eckert. We're going to have a, stu- uh, a conversation about EMPs. So, Dwight, welcome. Thank you. It's great to have you here. It's good to be here. So, EMPs, what does that stand for? Uh, electromagnetic pulse. Okay, and why should I be concerned? Well, the electromagnetic pulse can be either uh, man-made or natural. Uh, the... Uh, uh, what we're concerned about is we're concerned about the electric grid. Back during the Cold War, part of the mutual assured destruction uh, strategy was to start out with a, an EMP-type weapon, which is a high-altitude electromagnetic pulse uh, nuclear weapon detonated outside the Earth's atmosphere. It would create an electric charge that's picked up by the uh, electric grid, and can take out high-voltage transformers and trans, uh, the, uh, uh, some of the uh, generation facilities uh, of the electric grid. And it causes uh, long-term outages. These high-voltage transformers are uh, built like one at a time, handmade. They uh, take six to eight months or better to, uh, to build them. And there are only a handful of facilities within the United States that even do that. Most of them are overseas. Well, Dwight Eckert, you know what you're talking about because you are on the task force for the EMP uh, task force on uh, national and homeland security. So this is something that you think is, you know, yeah, you're concerned about it. Yes, I am. Uh, we're also concerned about other attacks on the, on the electric grid. We've become so dependent upon electricity in this nation. If the electricity were to go out for a long period of time, we would be lost. And it would be a whole, lot more, a whole lot worse than just losing your Facebook account. It would be, you know, long-term without refrigeration, without water, uh, without medical supplies. Uh, the EMP Commission in 2008 
said that if we were to have a long-term outage that could be caused by electromagnetic pulse, uh, it could last for a year or more. People would die. Nine out of ten people would die within the first year, according to the commission. This was a congressional commission that was set up to report on the effects. Why haven't why hasn't that hardworking person out there taking care of their families, going to their jobs? Why haven't they heard about this? Well, we've known about it for decades, ever since we started using nuclear weapons. Uh, in fact, even before that, the natural occurrence in 1859. Notice I said 1859. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had the Carrington event, which was a coronal mass ejection caused by three um, three uh, sunspots that came together at one time. And a gentleman named Carrington was observing this from England. Over the next few days, he noticed that there were a lot of th- strange things going on around the world. Uh, the new technology of the time was being taken out. Uh, telegraph offices all around the world were being... Uh, taken out, they were catching fire. Some telegraph operators found they could actually send messages with no battery connected because of the charge that was on the lines. The um, uh, Aurora Borealis was seen in Havana, Cuba. Um, Carrington put all this together, and he says, oh, this is all due to the sun. The sun did this to us. And it took some time after that to actually put it all together in a scientific event but what happened was a coronal mass ejection came off when those sunspots collided. And that re- reacted with the Earth's magnetic field. Charged particles and a, and a magnetic field hit the Earth and hit the Earth's magnetic field. And back in the early 1800s, the scientists of the day, guys like uh, Faraday and Maxwell, had determined that uh, an electric current is caused by a changing magnetic field. And that's what's going on. The magnetic field is cha- of the Earth is changing, and it causes an electric current, and the electric current returns back through our, our uh, transmission lines and that sort of thing here on the Earth, like these long transmission lines that run all up and down the front range here from uh, Wyoming down to New Mexico. Well, Dwight Eckert, it seems that politicians and bureaucrats are working to make us more and more dependent on electricity. And an electro, uh, electromagnetic pulse, uh, I mean, it, life would stop for most of us, at least here in America. Yes? Uh, yes, that's true, uh, given the current designs that are being used. Now, we know we can design around this. We can fix this problem. It's not unfixable. Uh, the problem is that for decades, the whole idea of an electromagnetic pulse from a nuclear device was held as classified. And so in 2008, the Congressional Committee uh, released the documents as unclassified, talking about EMP, so now we can talk about it. I first learned about this back in the 80s when I was working on weapon systems, but I couldn't talk about it because, uh, the, uh, uh, because it was all classified. Now, if you think about it, back in the Cold War, Russia and the United States were in a Cold War, and the idea was mutually assured destruction. Well, if you, you know, why don't you explain that to our younger listeners, because <laughs> they may not know know that. So, mutually assured destruction was: we were convinced that if 
Russia attacked us, we could attack them. And we destroyed both the United States and all the Soviet Union. The, um, uh, so the Allies would attack uh, the Soviet Union, the Soviet Union would attack the Allies, and we'd both destroy each other. So what would happen is we'd start out with an EMP weapon and try to take out as much of the infrastructure as we could and follow that by bombing all the cities and all the military installations. Well, if you're going to bomb all the cities and all the military installations anyway, uh, who cares about the infrastructure at that point? It's, it's gone anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, the threat is different today. And, and, and the idea was is because we could each destroy each other that we right. aren't going to destroy each, each right. other. Right. That, that strategy only works when you have a sane person with Good their point. finger on the button Good on point. the other end. Good point. Uh, if, if they don't care or if, if they're crazy enough they don't care or if they just don't care about their people. Does North Korea come to mind? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And so North Korea has actually claimed that they want to do that. In fact, their strategy uh, is to try to destroy the West, and they've threatened to do it. And the their strategy is to hit us with probably a cyber attack, some physical attacks, such as what happened at Metcalf Center in the San Francisco area. Now, what's that? Explain that. Uh, that's where some terrorists broke into the Metcalf uh, station south of uh, uh, Silicon Valley. And they came just shy of taking the station out. It would have blacked out the whole San Francisco Bay Area and the... Um, the station. So this is like an electric... Uh, an electric substation. Okay, got it. A large one. Okay. Uh, and it would have taken out Silicon Valley. It, uh, it would have when, cost when the, billions of dollars. That, that was early 2000s, I believe. Well, okay. And why weren't they successful? Uh, we believe that it was just a test of response. They didn't want to take it out. They were testing our response, and our response wasn't that great. In fact, after that, uh, the uh, uh, utility providers there actually hardened their systems by putting in more guards, armed guards, more surveillance equipment, and that sort of thing. Uh, More detection of uh, breaking and entering. Um, And not so many years ago, there was a second attack, and that uh, was to test the the uh, response. And the armed guards got tired of hearing the alarms and turned them off. Uh, so the response wasn't that great. And this was on the second try. And is this the same place? Yes, same place. Okay. Um, well, you know, I think a lot of the politicians in uh, San Francisco have been in the dark anyway. So, you know. <laughs> No, so it wasn't that great. You know, and that's going to bring up a conversation that we're going to want to have. And there is, you know, why you why are we not toughening up this grid? And because I, my understanding is, is we could actually do it for less than what they've spent for that bullet train out there in California. <laughs> well, certainly for uh, we could do an awful lot for what we give to foreign nations that have. Uh, that want to hurt us. That want to hurt us and have told us they want to hurt us. So, you know, we could redirect a lot of that money and fix the problem. And we wouldn't have to fix the entire grid. You need to fix key portions of it. So, for example, what you just mentioned regarding this Metcalf 
uh, substation, which provides power for the, the Bay Area. So it would be probably hardening those kinds of substations would be the first thing to do, right? That's correct. Uh, there are something like uh, 30 critical uh, substations, uh, and nine of those are what they call supercritical. Um, that, uh, that list is obviously classified for good reason. Uh, I wouldn't want to tell you even if I knew. Because People I could want... probably figure it out, yeah. though, can't they? It's, it's fairly easy. If you look at a map of the grid, uh, you, can, you can find it. In fact, there are maps out there today where you can go in. Uh, I mean, I was surprised when I found this, surprised from a good side to say, oh, I can actually take a look and see where substations are. I can get the GPS coordinates of that substation off of Google Maps. Um, and then you're like, and Wait then a I'm minute. like, oh my God! <laughs> so, so I can get guy. <laughs> GPS coordinates for that substation off Google Maps. It's it's frightening. It is truly frightening, and uh, it seems like there hasn't been the political will to do something about this. It's it's not, you know, it's not sexy. It's but, it, but it's important. But it seems like there hasn't been the political will to do that. Uh, that's been the case. Uh, during, uh, I'll give this to the Obama administration. They did recognize the natural threat, and they were they put out executive orders talking about global magnetic disturbances and trying to uh, protect the oh, U.S. against that sort of thing. Okay. Recently, it was in March of this year, uh, President Trump put out an executive order talking about EMP and giving it the same level as cybersecurity in threats against uh, the U.S. Uh, electric grid and critical infrastructures. Okay. You know what, Dwight Eckert? Uh, you are on the EMP Task Force on National Security or National and Homeland Security. Let's go to break. When we come back, um, we'll delve more into this whole risk that we have with uh, EMPs. We'll be right back. Dan Predovich and his team at Predovich & Company help your business plan ahead financially. The AmeriChicks with Kim Munson highly recommends Predovich & Company as your financial business consultant. Predovich & Company will take care of your tax preparation, bookkeeping, and business advisory services. Dan Predovich and his team want to learn the unique needs of your business through real, honest dialogue. Because of their advanced technological capabilities, Predovich & Company can help clients anywhere in the United States. Call 303-791-3000 to start preparing now for next year's tax season. Organize your business finances with Predovich & Company. Call 303-791-3000 today. Award-winning realtor Karen Levine has 30 years of experience with REMAX Alliance. As a director with the National Association of Realtors, Karen Levine works to protect your private property rights. Karen Levine believes in home ownership. Since losing her mother to breast cancer, Karen Levine has helped to organize a local fundraising event called Karen's for the Cure, raising money for breast cancer research. Choose Karen Levine to buy or sell your home because she understands that it's more than just a house. Karen Levine comes highly recommended by the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson, so call award-winning realtor Karen Levine with REMAX Alliance today at 303-877-7516. That's 303-877-7516.
Welcome back to the Americhicks with Kim Munson, where we dissect issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree, let's have a conversation. You know, we bring really important subjects to you, things that you may not be thinking about, but they really, uh, you may take them for granted, and if something happened, it would not be good. In studio with me is Dwight Eckert. He is the uh, director for the state of Colorado on the EMP Task Force on National and Homeland Security. Dwight, it is great to have you here in studio. Uh, Thank you. Now, EMPs, we were talking about it in the previous segment, and that is electromagnetic pulse, right? That's correct. And it, in essence, uh, it could happen naturally. You mentioned the sunspots, or somebody could try to take it out. Uh, have we had any vulnerabilities here in, uh, in America on our electric grid? Yes. In 1962, the U.S. was testing in the South Pacific over Johnson Atoll, which is about 900 miles uh, away from Honolulu, Hawaii. Okay. Uh, they detonated a small nuclear device at about 400 kilometers above the earth, and they actually turned out streetlights in Honolulu. That's 1962 technology. Wow. Uh, That was much harder, much more analog and much harder than the systems are today. We didn't have the smart grid back then. We didn't have things that depended upon the electricity to keep those lights on. Uh, So it, it, it was much harder than it is today. Um, in uh, 2013, uh, a ship that was, I think, sub-registered, or it was actually um, tied to North Korea, was caught in the Panama Canal uh, with two uh, medium-range missiles on it. Uh, didn't have any nuclear weapons, but they didn't have warheads, but they had the missiles and the launch vehicles on a container ship going through the Panama Canal. We found these underneath tons of sugar. We were looking for uh, drugs, and we found missiles in their launchers. The sad thing is, uh, the really sad thing is, they had spent the previous two weeks sailing around the Gulf of Mexico, where they could have launched those vehicles up over the continental United States. So you're saying, okay, so those missiles could possibly have, what, a nuclear device on it. They'd send it up into the atmosphere, and above the atmosphere it would detonate, and then that would create this pulse, which would knock out the electric grid in the United States. Right. A single device at 400 kilometers above Omaha could take out the electric grid for the 48 contiguous states, uh, Canada, and most of Mexico. Uh, one single device. If you're smart about it, you'd probably do it with three devices uh, and and do it over the three separate grids. We have the western grid, the eastern grid, and the Texas grid. Uh, but the uh, but one device is sufficient. Now, there are solutions to this, though, right, Dwight? And that's probably why you guys put together this task force. Yes. Okay. We've hardened military sites for, for decades. Uh, right down here in the springs, uh, there are facilities that are hardened to nuclear attack. Um, that includes EMP. Uh, we know how to do it. We've known how to do it for decades, but we're not doing it. And we haven't done it because our strategy was mutually assured destruction, as we talked about earlier. 
Well, that strategy doesn't work anymore. That only works uh, if, if the people on the other end care about it. And, and, so, and care about their people. And you, you can see that with with uh, over in North Korea, that, that they don't care about everyday people. So, so, yeah, that doesn't work. So how about protecting ourselves? That might be a good idea. That is a good idea. And uh, you don't have to protect everything. If you take enough of the threat away, uh, then it's not worth it. Uh, for the adversary to attack you in that manner. So what you do, what you want to do is you want to attack the uh, attack. I say attack. You want to fix the really, really critical parts first. And if you can protect those so that it wouldn't take years to uh, recover from a blackout, then you take the threat away. It, it doesn't do as much good. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's what we need to do. Well, what can be done? What do you, when you say harden the grid, what could be done? Well, one thing is there, there are things you can do to the transformers to keep them from being affected by the, uh, by the electrical event, uh, such as uh, neutral ground blockers. Oh, uh, I was going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so, uh, you know, it depends a lot upon the particular design of the particular transformer and a substation. Uh, the design might be different, but there are ways. I, and I just want to make that point that you need to look at that individually and 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 decide what the best approach is. One of the things I would advocate for is as we're doing things to the grid, such as modernizing it, such as putting in uh, smart meters, uh, think about this threat and try to build it in up front. As a as an engineer, um, I know that if you attack something in the design phase, uh, it's much much cheaper than after it's already deployed. So if we're changing things, let's change things for the better to protect ourselves against this threat. Okay. Now you mentioned that uh, that Obama, the Obama administration was doing some hardening, I guess, regarding a natural EMP, but then you said President Trump just did a an executive order so are you encouraged that we're going to get serious about you know attacking this problem uh, yes i am I, I i'm hopeful at any rate uh there are a lot of detractors out there there are a lot of people who who think it's going to be too expensive um but i would say you know uh spend one six-month period without electricity and and see how much you think it's worth well, remember when that hurricane hit down in Florida, there was a nursing home that their generator wasn't working. And they a number of the residents of that nursing home died because they didn't have electricity. And it would be devastating for our country uh, if that happened. So you, you kind of, you know, went, went across it. And that is the cost. Do you have any ideas how much it would cost to uh, to harden the electric grid, uh, there there are a lot of different uh, models out there, and like I said, it kind of depends on what you what you define as hardening. To harden the entire grid so that the lights would never dim would be quite expensive. Uh, but maybe we we harden it in such a way that you know ninety uh, percent of the people are going to be without power for less than a week. Yeah, people could probably pretty well live through that. Right. And let's, let's say somebody, though, that has, uh, you know, a medical condition that they would need to have, you know, medicine refrigerated. So how, how would you address that? Well, uh, that, uh, you know, 
The individual needs to think about themselves first, obviously. Okay. Uh, then think about their community, their, themselves, their family, and then their community. Uh, the uh, uh, but uh, most hospitals, for example, are set up to last for like nine days without power. Okay. Today, I'd I'd suggest that we start by lengthening that, making it longer, and, and making those. Uh, facilities more resilient. And then everybody else, um, to be without power for a week would be highly inconvenient. Uh, but I think most people would live through that, don't you? Yes. The, I mean, we we do it quite often now in the uh, areas where I live. I live up in the mountains here in Colorado. And so, you know, we, we often have power outages. Usually they're pretty short. I've been amazed at how short. Um, but uh, the uh, we've had had them out for about a week. Uh, that's hard, but it's doable. Uh, the uh, 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 so it actually, I'm thinking it might actually do us some good here in America to maybe take a day or two without electricity, and we'd realize how lucky we are to live here in this United States of America. Maybe we should do that for just a day or something. <laughs> I've, I've had some people suggest that uh, that try living without electricity for. Uh, a few days. Just just see what it's like. Uh, I know at my house, uh, I have water coming out of spring in the mountainside there, but I, it pumps using electricity. Um, <laughs> so there you go. So, <laughs> so even getting it to the house would be a difficult chore, yeah. uh, The uh, especially in the wintertime. Especially um, in the wintertime. So be prepared yourself. Um, be prepared. I would say everybody should be prepared for some period of time. I'm not sure that everybody should be prepared for six months to a year. Uh, but if we were, that would certainly take the threat away. Mm-hmm. But that's not going to happen. I don't think that's going to happen. Well, it's not going to happen when people live in these little teeny tiny apartments that they're trying to push everybody into. There's no <laughs> way you can have enough stuff. So, hey, Dwight Eckert, we have just a couple of minutes. What is the final thoughts that you'd like to leave with our listeners today? Well, so... Join us on the, at the MP Task Force. You can find our website at www.emptaskforce, one word, .us. Um, help us and Dr. Peter Pry uh, do things to help harden the grid. Uh, talk to your local communities. Find out how uh, they're set up for a long-term uh, power outage at your emergency responders areas. Uh, talk to your congressman. Uh, talk to your senators. Let them know that you're interested. Uh, I've found that our political leaders are pretty decent followers. If they know the voters are interested in something, then they're interested in it. But if the voters aren't interested, they, they don't have much interest. So let them know you are interested. Uh, contact me um, at uh, uh, at my email account, uh, Dwight. The D-W-I-G-H-T dot L dot Eckert, E-C-K-E-R-T, at gmail.com. And I'll get you tied in with what we're doing here in the state of Colorado and what's going on with the Secure the Grid Coalition, which is part of Frank Gaffney's organization, Center for Security Policies, and the InfraGuard uh, EMP uh, Special Interest Group, which is now called uh, something different, uh, the 
National Disaster Resiliency Council. <laughs> okay, got that. So, again, if you want more information on this, you can email Dwight at Dwight, that's D-W-I-G-H-T dot L dot Eckert, E-C-K-E-R-T at gmail.com. It's something that is really important. It is under the radar. But thank you, Dwight Eckert, for serving as the director for the state of Colorado for the EMP task force. Uh, And just really greatly appreciate that. All right. Thank you. Okay. And our quote for today is from the comedian George Carlin, where he said, Electricity is really just organized lightning. So today, read great books, think good thoughts, listen to beautiful music, communicate and listen well, live honestly and authentically, strive for high ideals, and like Superman, stand for truth, justice, and the American way. This is Kim Munson signing off. God bless you, and God bless America.